do I know if I've failed? If I'm a failure? Seriously, put aside everything you've learned from motivational posters and Zig Ziglar. How do I know when to stop, to change course, to turn the corner? Take this podcast, for example. Is this a success or a failure? I wanted to examine the data, so I called up a good friend. Hey, what's up? His name is Roy Browning. He's the host of the Business Acumen podcast. He also owns a successful company in Ohio called JMC Brands. I wanted, no, I craved his feedback. I need to see how this podcast is doing. So just to cover a few things at a base level, sometimes we have to take a cold, hard look at our progress. Uh, so far, this podcast has cost me two thousand forty-eight dollars uh, and eighty-seven cents, and that's for the laptop uh, that I record and edit on. That's for the editing software, and then also Facebook ads, all that. So two thousand forty-eight dollars and eighty-seven cents. Not bad. I spent a lot more on the movies and just about as much on a self-published book. This is not new territory for me. I've brought in four hundred and fifty-nine dollars and twelve cents. Uh, so I'm behind about $1,589. There's a few different ways to look at that. <laughs> and in my better moments, I look at it the positive way. Uh, I've had, to date, six different people donating uh, to the Truce Podcast, which is awesome. Roman Mars of the 99% Invisible Podcast recently wrapped up his fundraising campaign. In the process, he revealed that only seven out of every 10,000 listeners donates money. This is the podcast that had one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns in history, and he's at seven out of 10,000. Um, so I've got about 150 people or so listening to the Truce podcast, so six out of 150 is way better than his seven out of 10,000. So that's the positive number. <laughs> yeah. Across the 26 uploads I had posted at the point of the interview, we had about 4,000 total downloads. From my point of view, that's actually really good. So let's let's compare and contrast. So um, I have a podcast, Business Acumen, and uh, it's a video series though. So we, we had to invest in cameras and things like that, but we were just running the numbers and we have, we average about 30 to 40 views per episode. And we've spent probably closer to $15,000 on equipment and cameras and computers and microphones. And when you consider the fact that probably half your cost is a laptop and microphone, I mean, that's, that's a really good, you're not really spending a ton of money on, on the show itself and you're getting pretty decent results. And one thing I know from other podcasters that they typically say that in order to build exponential growth on the podcast, it normally occurs after the first 12 to 18 months. So I've still got some time. You know, and maybe what's more important than your first sponsor is a partner that is a hustler, that is a salesperson, that is somebody that is a marketer that was connected to a lot of people or connected to a lot of churches. Um, you know, think of like a, a pastor or somebody that, that goes to a lot of conferences and talks to a lot of people. If, if they align themselves with you, uh, it could be a key growth strategy. Yeah. Where do I find somebody like that? 
<laughs> Roy recommended some other things I should do. Uh, advertising it at the, the local grocery store, advertising it at church, advertising online. Obviously, the, the more things that you can do, grassroots initiative, word of mouth, um, you know, hanging things up in free community places that you can advertise those things, you know, you're going to grow um, without having to spend a dime. And of course, there's the constant flow of suggestions coming at me from people online. You have to post on Instagram five times a week. Comment on the top nine popular posts in each hashtag. Spend at least an hour a day on social media posting. You should make a mini video of every episode. Do edgier shows. Get famous people on your show. They'll retweet it. Go on a speaking Build tour. Start a second podcast Build your to platform. advertise the first. Build your platform. Hire somebody to help you. Build your platform. 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 I don't know if this podcast is or will be a success or a failure, but I do know that there are few things that the modern church hates more than the word failure. If we're being honest, that fear, the fear of failure, may be giving the devil a terrible foothold into our churches. You're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars to explore how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Sterren, and this is Truce. As a Christian, a lot of times it feels like if I don't succeed wildly, that God isn't on my side. We readily equate financial success with God's blessing. But if we don't see financial blessing, does that make us a failure? Does that make us unfavorable to God? This particular concern is going to play a huge role in some upcoming episodes, so I want to spend some time on it. Take the movies that my brother and I made, Bringing Up Bobby and Between the Walls. I recently received a royalty check for those movies. Now, the films cost us over $60,000 each after marketing and DVD production, not to mention years of working without pay. We finally got our check in, and my share was just over $200 for months worth of online streaming. Take that number, $200. Think about how much money that really is. It's nice, but it's not much for the work that went into making the films. Does that make me a success or not? Did God bless the movies or not? If we're honest with ourselves, it's really hard to tell. Let's flip that number around. We did the math and through Amazon, we make about six cents per hour watch to the film. So when someone watches one of our movies all the way through, we make about nine cents. Do the multiplication and it turns out, as best as we can tell from our royalty check, the films garnered about 5,000 views each. And those films are available in a lot of countries through Amazon Prime and PureFlix. So think about that number again, 5,000 viewings. That means a lot of people heard the gospel. Does that make me a success or not? Did God bless the movies or not? Failure is hard to admit in any market, but when we equate success with God's blessing, it makes it that much harder to fail because failure in our minds indicates that God is not with us 
or that we haven't worked hard enough, prayed hard enough, given enough to please God. And we quickly fall into the lie that this stuff is based on works and not grace. I struggle with this myself, so I did the most natural thing in the world. I shared my experience with Andrew Schwab. He's the author of many books, including Fame is Infamy, which I strongly recommend, and he's the lead singer of Project 86 and the host of the Pioneers podcast. When you don't make money at something and it you're, you're trying to share the gospel with it, you're trying to do ministry with it, and it does not go well or go according to, to your plan, sometimes, at least for me, it felt like God uh, didn't favor me as he favored other people. Like there, there was a guy... I was just straight up jealous of. He he made a Christian film that literally the plot ended 15 minutes into the film and the next 75 minutes was them celebrating having conquered their problem. Uh, and it was not a great movie. <laughs> and he outsold us by magnitudes. By magnitudes. Um, and I remember being so just kind of confused by that um, and having to constantly remind myself this does not reflect... God's love for you. Uh, like these sales don't reflect God's love for you. This idea that favor rests upon the successful in the public sense is a misnomer. Because it's really hard to know if success is from God or not. The money may not be the best indicator. If you just take any Project 86 album and you break down the dollars in terms of profits earned versus the hours spent, not just writing, recording, and creatively executing an album, but the marketing, the day-to-day, -day, the touring, the hours upon hours that goes into every little aspect of that piece of creativity, the minimum wage in there is probably below what is legal. You know, we're making $4 an hour or something like that. Uh, and that, to me, equates to failure and bad decision making. <laughs> and it's still difficult because your family and friends may not see your little job as being enough. Because you don't have all the nice things they think about when they think of an adult. And that was what my peers and relatives and parents warned me of when I partook in this endeavor many moons ago is you are painting yourself into a corner where you're going to have a very difficult time earning a living, being a fully functioning adult, owning a home, having a retirement. And prophetically, these are all true statements. And this is an artist, myself, Project 86, this is an artist that's found what many equate to be large, vast success. Though he's played in large venues for thousands of people, it's the people he's gotten to build relationships with that have really made the difference. And his work has the ability to be a time capsule for the people he loves, like his children. When I'm gone, my kids have books that I wrote. They have albums, they have pieces of vinyl, and they have recordings, and they have words upon words that I've written that tell my story. 
And these are documents that they can pass on for generations that will give their lives meaning, knowing who they are in terms of their bloodline and where they came from and who their dad and grandfather, etc., was. This is currency, man. This is cool. So relationships and that genealogical heritage legacy aspect to the creative process these are not things that pay the bills necessarily i mean maybe the relationships with the core fans help but this is eternal meaning in my opinion and this is where i want to stake my life's work on the trick for me is always like i have never made money doing any of these things so i i pay for this podcast uh, by driving a school bus um, and I am, I am not great with children, <laughs> and, and so it is a constant humbling thing. I have to keep making these projects. Um, it's it's in a way it's it's a disease, but it's also a cure for a different disease, for me. Um, you know, like I have to keep making projects, and if I don't make them, then I'm gonna have all these mental knots. I always come back to this idea that God has us where he wants us and nothing happens in our lives without a reason for it. And so the successes we are prevented from achieving, no matter how bad we want them. I liken this to our album, Truthless Heroes, and I'll leave you with this story. We were poised to sell a million records and more. We were really set up. We were in a position to where this was a logical next step for my band with what we achieved on our first two albums. And there was a moment in time when we had finished recording our third album when we sat in the president of the of Atlantic Records office. His name is and was Craig Kalman. He's still the president of Atlantic Records. We had flown to New York and we were in his office as a band and our manager was in the room with us and he put on a single from our then unreleased album, Truthless Heroes, and played the song front to back cranked it up on his stereo in his office and we sat there and listened to it, watched him bob his head to the song. The song ends and he just looks at us and he says these words, are you guys ready to sell a million records? And we jumped up from that couch and embraced and hugged and had our own mosh pit there in his office overlooking Central Park. It was something out of a dream or a, a Hollywood script. And we truly believed it in that moment. And that album went on to sell about 75,000 copies. And it was a monumental failure in the eyes of Atlantic Records. We ended up getting dropped, losing our manager. Our manager ended up taking all of our money from us that we had. We ended up being almost homeless at that point in time. It was truly tragic. We had a Job moment. I had a Job moment personally where I had literally almost lost everything of value that I valued at that time in my life because of this album that was supposed to go platinum. And in looking back, it is still difficult to this day for me to not have regrets and say to myself, if I had just done this differently, or if we had just done this differently, I wouldn't need to stress about grocery bills or houses or retirements, things that guys my age worry about, you know? But who would I have been if I had achieved that success? I would have been someone who was consumed by all the adoration that I received. I know it. 
and my soul would have been the price. And so God always, 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 always has us where he wants us and our failures can actually be our successes and our even, even our salvation in a strange way. If we're willing to look at our failures through the right lens and allow God to speak to us through them. Success and failure, blessings and curses are hard for us to quantify. It's okay to fail and to trust God in that failure. But when our fear of failure takes hold, we believe all sorts of terrible little lies. That God could love us more if we just did more. Or that he's out to make our lives awful on purpose. We can drift towards fatalism. Or worse yet, we'll do anything to avoid failure altogether. If we're afraid of failure, it becomes a weapon that can be used against us. A force that compels us to believe things that sound good, but are simply not true. If we believe that God has to bless us with vast success because we're Christians, we're setting ourselves up to be scammed. Think about the data that we see in the Bible. Jesus never started an uprising of Jews like he was expected to. He sometimes ran away from crowds of people who wanted to get to know him. He was crucified like a criminal. Would the modern church interpret someone like that as a success or a failure? The apostle Paul was beaten, thrown out of town, called names, and mocked. Success or failure? The early people who translated the Bible into common languages were martyred before their work was ever complete. Success? or failure. There are whole industries ready to take advantage of our fear of failure. In the coming weeks, we'll be taking a deep dive into some of these industries. Motivational books, leadership conferences, pyramid schemes, and more. I hope you'll stay with us. How do you quantify success and failure? I'd love to hear from you. Record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to trucepodcast at yahoo.com. We're all over social media at trucepodcast. Special thanks to Andrew Schwab for giving me so much of his time. Be sure to check out his Pioneers podcast. We'll put links to it on our website. I'm also a big fan of his book, Fame is Infamy, which really meant a lot to me after I left the film industry. Thanks also to Roy Browning of the Business Acumen podcast. Check out my book, Cradle Robber, on your favorite ebook platform, and my films Bringing Out Bobby and Between the Walls on Amazon Prime and on PureFlix. We've got some really interesting stuff in the works. Stay with us. Subscribe to the podcast so you get every new episode as it comes, and please leave us a recommendation on iTunes. It really makes a difference. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce.